Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. You know, we've had some issues with uh, electronics today. But thank God, the power of God is not connected to FPNL. What a lame situation that would be if God was connected to FPNL. FPNL ought to learn to connect to God. Amen. Amen, amen. Praise God. You know, the power may be a problem with the electric company, but it never has to be a problem in you. And you don't need power. You don't even need electronics, music, and all this other stuff to praise God. It's in your heart. We don't praise God with our lips and our hearts far away from Him. We praise God with our heart and then our lips get lined up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, just as we said over the last number of weeks, the Lord has really been laying things out on... Sunday and Wednesday, and it has a lot to do with discipleship. And you know, when Jesus spoke to the multitude and he spoke to them in parables and the disciples came to him and said, why do you talk to them in parables? And he said, it's been granted to you to know. See, it's the disciple that gets it on, not the born again person. Forget about that. We're not talking about a born again person. Born again people, thank God, your eternity is set, you're on your way to heaven. But you can live this life totally defeated and being born again and having the Spirit of God live on the inside of you. But the disciple, the disciple is the one that's been granted to know the things of God. Hallelujah. And it's the disciple that will step into the things of God. Amen. Amen, amen. You know, the word of God comes to us, doesn't it? You know, when you hear the word in here, when you're reading your Bible, that is the Logos word of God. The Logos is the the complete word of God. You know, that's the wisdom of God, the Logos. You know, it's the big broad sword that you would swing around, the Logos, okay? And when that comes to us, it sets us on a path or sets our trip. For us. Um, you know, when you look at the, uh, the armor of God, you've got gird yourself in the truth, then you've got the breastplate of righteousness, then you've got having your feet walking in the stability of peace, and then you put on the shield of faith. That's not the ending. In fact, you still can't do anything. Because after the shield of faith comes the helmet of salvation or the renewed mind. You can't renew your mind until you finally take hold of what that word says. You can't renew your mind until you say, I believe what that word says, and then get your mind renewed. Because then after you get your mind renewed, the Logos turns into a rhema, which is a sword that you can kill your enemy with. You can't kill your enemy with the Logos. The shield is for your protection, but that sword is for uh, to 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 defeat your enemy. But you can't get there unless you get to faith, get to a renewed mind and then get to the rhema. The logos must become the rhema. You get the word of God to a word of God for my situation. Amen. Amen. And that word is what will bring. Listen, Genesis to Revelation is not going to bring down the devil. Because it's not all alive in you. But when you get from the Logos to the Rhema, you have a word that can defeat your enemy. So when the word comes to us, the Logos word comes to us, it gives us vision. It gives us a goal. Right. In fact, uh, go over there to Hebrew, uh, Ephesians, rather, 118. Ephesians 118. And you all know this verse. We've looked at it over the last few weeks a number of times. Never hurt you to look at it again. How many of you had steak the other day? Going to hurt you to have it again? How many of you had pasta the other day? Going to hurt you to have it again? So why do we say, oh, I know what that word, I heard that before. I don't need to go look at it. 
Well, that's like walking in the grocery store and seeing a steak and go, I don't need to eat that. I had that a couple days ago. I'm good. See, if you know what it tastes like, you'll want to eat it again. The reason you don't want to eat it again is because you haven't really tasted of it. Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray the eyes of your heart being enlightened that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that you would know the hope of his of his calling. OK, hope is always future tense. It's something that you look to and you head in the direction of your hope. Isn't that right? You leave maybe, you know, if you go to work in the morning, you leave your house hoping to get to work. You go to work hoping to get a paycheck. There's always that future hope, but that hope you head in that direction for that hope to become a reality. Amen. You know, if you were to leave here today and travel to Sarasota, it's going to take a certain amount of time. If you're going to travel to Jacksonville, it's going to take more time. If you go to Georgia, it's going to be even more time. You go to Alabama, Arkansas, Minnesota, it's going to be even more time. Well, you go to Nebraska, you go to Dakota, uh, North Dakota, you go to California, it's going to be even more time. Right? Well, how many times, and you probably remember this, how many times that you, uh, you get in the car and your parents would say, we're going to go such and such, or you said to your kids, we're going to go to such and such a place, and the child, you or the, your children get in the back seat, and what do you hear? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Well, the Holy Spirit, through the Logos, sets a goal for you. And what do we say? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? When are we going to get there? Are we there yet? How much longer is it going to be? We do the same thing. Only we do it in a complaining way. <laughs> you know, God gives us vision every year. He sets our path every year. He gives us a goal every year. Isn't that right? He's given us a hope of getting someplace. And that vision for the year, and this is where people really mess up. They think the vision of the year, that it's going to all come about that year. But all it does is head you in a direction. Last year's vision, what he gave us, may not happen till this year. But did you head in the direction? You see, if you didn't head in the direction, then it isn't even going to happen this year. Because you didn't even get in the car. You didn't step on the gas. You're not going anyplace. You're sitting in your garage or in your living room waiting to get to Orlando, waiting to get to Sarasota, waiting to get to Georgia. You don't get any place waiting. The Word of God sets your goal, but you have to head in that direction. How do I head in that direction? You get it in your heart. You get it in your mouth. You get it in your life. You get it in your choices. You know, if I'm headed to Orlando and I get to Tampa, I'm not going to turn around and go, I think I need to go to Miami. That would be called distractions, detours, and makes the trip even longer. Not because Orlando moved, not because your car has a trouble. It's because you made a wrong choice. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's about heading in that direction and staying in that direction. I mean, I can go through every vision God gave us since 1993. I have them all written down. Well, how about when you're driving someplace? You have a GPS, maybe you have a screen in your car, you got a map that you look at. You know, we don't use Rand McNally anymore. You know, maybe you're looking at the map on your phone, you're looking at all, and you're looking at the road signs on the way. And even though you're driving, you know where you're going, you see the signs and you're looking at the map, you still think, how much longer is this going to be? I'm only at mile marker, what? I just passed exit what? Oh, you know what? How much longer I have to go? I wish I had a flying car. Well, pretty soon that won't be clear. You know, 
you know, they got these commercials now that you can put your meal in this microwave thing, Trevalier or something, you know. I mean, this is microwave made easy. I mean, I want you to listen to that phrase, microwave made easy. Are you kidding me? If you get any easier, just get yourself somebody to cook it for you. You know, and the guy standing there goes, well, the best thing about this is I'm not doing nothing. I microwave. I don't do nothing when it's in the microwave. This is like crazy. But, you know, people fall for this because it's called marketing. You need this. You got to have this. And if you get one, that's fine. I, you know, I don't really care what you get. But you understand what I'm saying. This is the marketing thing. Microwave made easy. You know, drive throughs of course, take too long now. Remember when they first came out? But now they take too long. Hurry up, hurry up. How long do I have to sit here? What are you people doing in there? What do you mean it's not ready? I got to go park at a parking space and wait for you to bring it out to me? I mean, all of this stuff. It's just like this was so wonderful. Phones. I mean, phones. When they first came out, oh, this is great. I mean, my good, I can make a phone call wherever I'm at. I don't have to wait till I get home. I don't need an answering machine. But now it's like, come on, come on, come on. What are you doing? And this is why when we drive someplace, it's like, I can't believe we're not there yet. And this is why when God sets you on a goal, you think, are we there yet? When are we going to get there? How much longer is this going to be? I mean, I heard this two months ago. How come it isn't happening yet? Well, maybe you're sitting in the living room waiting for something to happen. But what are you supposed to do? Drive towards the goal. Head towards the goal. And stop complaining about how much longer it's going to be. The trip, wherever you're going, whatever goal you have, wherever you're headed to, the trip is never shortened because you're tired. No. <laughs> the trip doesn't get any shorter because you want to be there now. Right. It doesn't happen that way. So you understand that you're being tired or you're wanting to be there now or you're just tired of being a... That's just your emotions. That's all that is. Them tired, sorry emotions that will detour you at every chance that it gets. Did I say tar tired, sorry emotions? Okay, I just want to make sure I said that. Here's the thing you must understand. Whether you have a direction from God in a car, traveling someplace, wherever you're headed to, into a future. You can't be there till you get there. I realize that's deep. You may want to write that down and never forget it. You can't be there until you get there. When are we going to be there? The moment you arrive. That's when you're going to be there. And not a moment sooner. I know you like to be there sooner, but the moment you get there, the moment you arrive, that's when you'll be there. And you can't be there a moment sooner than when you arrive. You're not all writing this down. Say, you're going to forget that and you're going to get on that trip with God and going to go, are we there yet? Are we there yet? How long is this going to take? You'll be there the moment you arrive. Amen. Let's try something else in the Bible. Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk. Don't mix it up with tobacco. It's Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision. Isn't that what he gives us every year? Record the vision, inscribe it on tablets, which should be written on your heart, that the one who reads it, which would be you, may run with it. So you get a vision. God gives us a direction. He gives it to us congregationally. He gives it to us individually. And what should you do? Inscribe it on the tablet of your heart so that when you read it, you can not sit and wait for it, but run. Amen. 
For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. Okay, so the vision is for the appointed time. Now, what do we do? Well, the vision's for the appointed time. So God gave me the vision. So I'm just going to sit down. And when the time's right, God will see that it comes to pass. Well, that would be true about the rapture. But not your life. We have a great way of sitting and waiting. But that's not what the appointed time means. The, in the Hebrew, the word for appointed time, it comes from the root word that means agreement. If you remember over in Amos 3.3, 3, it says, how can two walk together unless they agree? The New American Standard says, how can two walk together unless they've made an appointment? Because appointment and agreement works together. We tell Pastor Morgan, I'm going to be at your house and I'll pick you up at a certain time and we're going to go over to such and such. We have made an appointment, an appointment to meet. We might say, I'm going to meet you at some, some place at one o'clock. We made an appointment to meet. So we've agreed to meet and we've made an appointment. So the appointment time is for the time of agreement. Okay. And another way, another way you could say that is the vision is for the due time, which is another thing we mess up. Well, it's due to, I guess it's not due yet, so I'm just waiting. Hmm? It's the time of agreement. The vision is yet for the agreement time, and it hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. It won't lie. God gives you a goal, he speaks to you, gives you a vision. He's not a false witness. Huh? He's not going to deceive you, and he will not be faithless to it. So when we say things like, well, I've done everything I need to do, I don't know why it isn't. You're saying God's faithless. And God is not faithless. Who's the faithless one? You don't have to all raise your hand at once. We are. We're the ones that fall short. God does not. It will not, uh, it will not fail. He says, wait for it. Wait for it. Oh, he says, though it tarries. All right, the word tarries means to linger, to be halted, to be prohibited and forbidden. So the reason, so the vision Okay, is for the time of agreement. It will not lie or be a false witness, but it's tarrying. It's haltering, it's lingering, and it's prohibited and forbidden at this point to happen. Well, you see, I'm just waiting for God. No, God waiting on you, honey. Though it tarries, wait for it. And the word wait means keep longing for it. Keep longing for it. Well, what do your emotions tell you? Oh, I'm going to stop thinking about this. I'm going to stop, uh, you know, waiting for this. I'm going to stop, you know, putting, setting my hopes on this because I don't want to be disappointed again. The only thing that's getting disappointed is them ugly, slow, tired emotions. It's the only thing that's getting disappointed. In your spirit, no. But in your soul, yeah. So what's the problem? Unrenewed soul. You have an unrenewed soul. That's, see, these are indications of what needs to be changed. This is an indication that I need to get in the Word and change these things in me. This is my problem. But what do we look at it as? This is life. This is just the way life is. This is just the way it goes. That's your problem. You think this is normal. And it's not normal. It's emotions that are unrenewed and unrestored in our soul. And we're letting it run the show. Wait for it. Keep longing for it. Keep hoping for it. The accomplishment is coming and the purpose will be fulfilled. Don't let 
Let go of it. Keep heading in that direction. So why do people not want to wait for it? Why do they want to give up that hope? Why? Because they're like, are we there yet? We're not there yet. How come we're not there yet? I thought we would have been here by now. We're not here by now. I'm tired of this. I don't want to keep hope. Well, then pull off into the side of the road and just go to sleep. Because you'll never get there if you're sleeping. But what are you supposed to do? Keep heading to the meeting place. Keep heading to the meeting place. Amen. Wait for it also gives us the idea in the Hebrew of binding or tying. Just like it talks about in Isaiah, they that wait upon the Lord. It means to twist together, bind together with him. Isn't that right? Be bound together with him. So the vision has not yet happened. So what do I need to do? Bind together with him. Twist together with him. I am getting tired, so I need to take on his strength. My tired emotions aren't going to get me there. Isn't that right? Don't let loose. Don't back off. Don't give up. The vision is coming. It's been set. God's not faithless. It will. He didn't just say it will come. He said it will certainly come. It will certainly come. Undoubtedly, undeniably, irrevocably, it will certainly come. And it will not, this version says delay, King James says tarry, which drove me crazy for a long time. Because it says, it hastens towards the goal, though it tarries, wait for it, it will certainly come, it will not tarry. Now wait a minute, either it tarries or it don't tarry. And that would just drive me crazy. Then I got this brainstorm. Why don't you study the verse? And I found out that the second word, tarry, is different than the first word, tarry. In the New American Standard, it's translated delay. Okay? It will not delay. It will not hold back. It will not hesitate. And it will never be late. You will never get to the meeting place waiting on God to get there. He's already there waiting on you from a long time ago. Amen. Amen. When will we get there? The moment we arrive. That's when you get there. The Lord has set a meeting place. And it's where we need to be. It could be a place in life. It could be a place in your character. It could be a place in faith. So the Lord has given a vision and a direction. And that vision wants to come to pass. And the Lord's going, nope, nope, not yet, not yet. And here you come, coming down the path. And he's like, hold on, hold on. They're getting to the point. They're getting to, oh, wait a minute. They just got distracted. What are you doing? Where are you going? You got distracted off of the and you turn to the left and you're starting to do all this other stuff. You need to get back on the path. Okay, hold on. You can't come to pass yet. They got distracted. They were headed to Orlando, but now they've gone to Miami. You got to wait. And he's holding back the vision. And then you get back on the path again. And you start edging closer and the vision's like, I need to come to pass. I'm, on, I'm ready to come to pass. And the Lord's like, no, not yet. They're not at that point yet. They're getting closer, not at that point. Wait a minute. Where are you going? What are you doing? What are you making that choice for? That choice is just pulling you right off the path. You know you should make choices headed for this direction. You've made choices now that's going to bring you in that direction. Oh, dear Jesus. Holy Spirit, work on them. Get them back here. And then through a number of choices, you finally get back on the path again. And the Lord's still standing there with the vision. Where is he? He's at the meeting place. He's waiting on you. And then you get back on the path again and you start making all the right choices. Heading in the direction again and finally get to the place to where you need to be. And the hand of the Lord comes down and he says, you can come to pass now and the vision jumps all over you and now it becomes a reality in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so though it 
tarries, thank you, Jesus, though it tarries, though it's lingering, though it's prohibited at this time to come to pass, when you get to the meeting place, you need to know without a doubt, it will certainly happen. God is not faithless. He's wanting to get that to you. He's trying to get it to you. He set up a meeting place with you so that you can get there. All you have to do is get there. And again, it could be something in your life. It could be a point of obedience. It could be something in your character that needs to change. Something in faith, something that you've been believing wrong. Something needs to get straightened up. Something needs to happen so you can get to that point. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Galatians 6, 9. He says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Well, there it is, due time. See, due time. What's the due time? Well, due time relates to our own time. It relates to our own time, our own season, our own opportunity. In other words, when we step into it, when we step into that season and step into that opportunity, Okay, then we are stepping into due time. Due time is not in the wants. You know, well, if it relates to my time, I want it now. Well, it's not based on your want. There you go with them emotions again. Our season and our opportunity based on the appointment. Every seed has a time of harvest. You know, you could plant a tomato seed and it'll create a tomato plant. But you can plant an acorn, and that acorn, that, that oak tree is going to take a little longer than that tomato plant. Because every seed has its own harvest time. You understand? Okay? So, what do you do? You are doing good, and everything you do, listen, everything you do, everything you say, everything you're involved in, no matter what you're saying, what you're doing, responding to, reacting to, everything is a seed. Your whole life is a seed. You are a seed sower, whether you're trying to or not. Our life that we have today is a total product of what we have sown all of our life. It's not based on who did what to you and who said what to you. It's all about how you reacted, how you responded, and you and what you have sown into your life. Don't blame anybody else. This is not a political party blaming somebody else. This is life. Now, a lot of times, what do Christians want to do? They want to blame that devil. I tell you what, that devil, he, no, it's not the devil, it's you. And it's always you. Well, what about the devil? Don't you have authority over him? Don't you have dominion over him? Why do you respond to him? Don't blame him. He's a defeat. Oh, at the other side of our mouth, he's a defeated foe. Oh, he's been paralyzed. He's been brought to naught. God's disconnected me and unbound me from the works of the... That devil, he's doing something. I'll tell you what. Well, you can't have it both ways. It's not the devil. Now, the devil could have used so-and-so and did something bad to you, but that's not your problem. It's how you respond to it that's your problem. How you think about it is your problem. How you yak, yak, yak all the time about what they did to you. That's your problem, and that's what you keep sowing into your life. This is why the Bible talks about gossip. Even though it's true, it's still gossip. And you're sowing gossip into your life. You're sowing resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness. We sow all kinds of stuff into our life. And then we think we're perfect. I don't know why it isn't happening. <laughs> no matter what seed you plant, you are to plant the seed. We are to till the ground. We are to water the seed. We are to keep the seed uh, field clean, pull all the weeds out. If we don't, 
If we don't do those things, the seed will not produce at the proper time. So what's due time? It's you taking care of your field. You doing what you're supposed to do and that seed will grow like it ought to. But if you don't till the ground, you don't do the things you need to do, then your due time is being put off because you're putting it off. You know, we want to sow a seed and go, okay, God, just make it happen, make it happen, make it happen. He ain't making nothing happen, honey. He done made it happen 2,000 years ago. Get with the program. You're responsible, not God. God's not responsible for your life. You are. He gave you free choice. You can choose to get on his program or you can wish it was another way. It'll never be another way. There's only one other way. If you don't want to do it God's way, you're going to do it Satan's way. The way of the world, the way of sin, the way of flesh. Oh, I'm not doing it God's way, but I'm not going to do it the devil's way. I'm doing it my way. You don't have a way. That little pea brain of ours can't come up with a way. You pick one or the other. Choose ye this day. Right? Amen. So we have to take care of that seed that we've sown so that we can come to that place of opportunity in order to reap. Why? Because we're not weary. We're not weary. We don't let them emotions make us weary and tired. How long do I have to till this ground? How long do I have to work this field? How long do I have to keep doing this? This is what you do. Oh, I'm still breathing. That means I'm still doing. As long as I'm, if you don't want to do it anymore, then stop breathing. You don't have to do it anymore. I don't see anybody in here that looks like they want to stop breathing. So you're going to have to keep doing. If you want life to be well, you're going to have to keep doing. Amen. So. By keep doing, not becoming weary, we come to the place of opportunity to reap. We step into our season of harvest. So again, I've sown a seed. Okay, I'm doing good, whatever it might be, out of my mouth, my actions, whatever it might be. And I'm coming down a path. And I'm heading in that direction. I'm taking care of things in my life. I'm not becoming weary and well-doing. I continue on doing good. I continue on speaking well. God's standing there with that harvest. And you keep on doing as you need to do. And when you get into that place you need to be, the arm comes down and the vision comes to pass. You understand? And that's the only way that it can happen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. So that's the only way that that can happen. You know, since um, free will offering started years ago, years ago, and Pastor Nid would bring up free will offering, and pe- I would hear people say, well, she's just giving it to you. That's just your money. You're just getting, you know, people, people haven't got a clue about nothing. They ain't got a clue. What she just did, she didn't just give that to me. She sewed into that anointing. That's what she did. Oh, I've seen kids come up, you know, and and they'll put money on the platform and people in the congregation go, oh, that's so sweet. Ain't nothing sweet about it. It's giving into the anointing and your sweet attitude isn't teaching them anything. And they're going to grow up thinking, oh, that's so sweet, but that's a kid. See, kids, kids do sweet things. So when I become an adult, I'm not going to do sweet things anymore. And that's how you lose them. Because you didn't train them. You thought it was sweet. And you didn't teach them what it was really about. Okay. It's not in my teaching, but there it is. There we go. It's sowing into the anointing. Now, why does she sow into the anointing? Because that's what she wants in her life. Are you with me? Hallelujah. First John chapter 5. It's just a little side note, a little teaching on the side there. Everything's a teachable moment, you know. <laughs> you know, besides everything being a teachable moment, for you it ought to be a learning moment. Everything ought to be a learning moment. 
Because if you think you don't need to learn, that means you'll never grow from where you're at. And that's a scary thought. Not for you, for me. You all are perfect, I know that. You're welcome. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, and then verse 4 and 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that's overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? All right, so we're talking here about faith and we're talking about character. Whoever's born, and then he says, whatever is born. So you're not a whatever, you're a whoever. So whoever is born, the person that accepts Jesus is born of God. But the whatever that is born out from that person is faith. And that whatever is what overcomes the world. Are you with me? So whoever is to arrive with the whatever. In other words, you're a whoever. And when you got saved, you did it by faith. You accepted Jesus by faith because you heard about accepting Jesus into your life. And when you heard that, you acted on that. So you're a whoever that arrived with a whatever. Are you with me? The whoever has to arrive with the whatever. Who is it that overcomes the world? The one with the whatever. The whoever that overcomes the world is the one that has the whatever. So whoever, the, what, the whoever that believes, right? When the whoever grows into the whatever, then the due time of the whatever comes to pass. Let me say that again. When the whoever grows into, remember, how does faith come? Hearing what? The word of God, Logos. I heard the Logos and I've set my faith on it. Now I have to renew my mind and I have to get a rhema from God to get that sword in my hand. Isn't that right? So I have to grow into the whatever. How many of you, when you first heard about Jesus, thought, I need to do something. Maybe I need to do something about this, but you never did. But you thought, I think I might need to do something. Well, because you haven't grown into that yet. You knew you should. You knew, well, that, that could be a thing I need. But you didn't grow into it yet. But when you grew into it, so you have to grow into that. What that word says. If you don't grow into what that word says and you try to act on the Logos, you will be like the little tiny people in Gulliver's Travels, trying to shoot these little bow and arrows at Big Gulliver. You're trying to shoot them little bow and arrows at your circumstances. You're trying to shoot them little bow and arrows at the devil. And it's just, just like Gulliver. Just like, what are you doing? See, that's Logos. You can't live on Logos. It's not how much word you know. It's what you actually believe and live. So when the whoever grows into the whatever, which is faith, then the due time of the whatever or the faith comes to pass. When the whoever reaches the appointed time of the whatever, then the vision comes to pass. Your whole life is made up of whoever and whatever. Whoever and whatever. There are more whatevers born of God than just faith. There's a lot of whatevers that are born of God. But faith is the one that's needed to develop in all the other appointed times of whatever. For instance, God has set in me a vision, a direction, a goal about developing and changing something in my character or my personality. You know, your personalities need to change. Thank you. God bless you all for your agreement. Personalities need to, because God, you weren't born with that personality. 
Everybody has developed their personality based on things they've experienced, things they've gone through. Some personalities are defense mechanisms. Some personalities are control. Some personalities are, I just get along with everybody because I just don't want any problems. I don't like to deal with confrontation. That's all personality traits. And every one of them has weaknesses in them. Lots of weaknesses. And... Um, so personality traits need to change. Character traits need to change. And God then starts showing me through the word or through the Holy Spirit on the inside that I need to change this trait. What is that now? A goal and a vision that I need to be headed in that direction. Okay. So there's a whatever. There's a whatever that I need to work on. So I'm the whoever now. I'm going to head in the direction of that whatever, but I'll never head in the direction of that whatever without the whatever of faith. Faith is needed to change everything and anything else. A lot of people think, oh, faith is so I can get more money. Well, faith is just so that I can get more health. No, faith is so you can become a better person. Faith is so that you can become a disciple. Faith is so that you can be pleasing to God. Faith is so that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That's what faith is about. All that other stuff is just side issues. Well, why is it that when we first got saved, like 40 years ago, how come we just heard about prosperity and healing? Because that was the, uh, that was the uh, revelation then. But you don't stay there. I mean, if your whole life is walking with God just so you can have more money or you can have better health, Jesus, Jesus paid a high price for not much and nothing. Now, I understand we need the money and I understand we need the help. But if that's all that there is, he paid a high price for not much of anything. This is all about life. You don't get rewarded in heaven because you got more money on the earth. You don't get rewarded in heaven because you walked in good health on the earth. Amen. Jesus said, by this is my father glorified, that you bear much fruit. Well, that's not health and that's not money. That's character. It's being a disciple. It's your character traits that you step into heaven with. Naked you came into the world and naked you will leave here. And the only thing you will stand before God with is your character. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So all these things that God puts in us to work on, to deal with, these are all whatevers that needs to take place in our life. But faith is the whatever that will help us to develop in all of those because you can't do it outside of faith. You know why? Because no matter what you deal with, whether it's a character trait, personality trait, whatever it might be, you've still got them tired emotions. Yeah. You've still got that ugly flesh. I don't mean your body. I'm not calling anybody ugly. I'm talking about the flesh, the unrenewed, unrestored part of man. You still have that. And without faith, it'll run you over. And faith is going to have to stand against that so that you can develop the thing. You think your flesh wants to change its character? No. Your flesh wants to go headlong into sin, and you know if you just said, okay, it would. Of course, it used to, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. You know, I talk about how, you know, just, just briefly, I talk about how when I did drugs, you know, I took enough drugs for four people in one night for myself. And then I bumped it up to eight people. What was good for eight people? I'm talking about hallucinogenic drugs. What was enough for eight people? I would take it all myself. Because it was never enough. You always want more. Because that's what flesh is. Always wants more. In any area, no matter what it might be. Flesh is out of control and it comes under the heading of lasciviousness. The more the better. Never enough. You know, I can relate to that James Bond movie, The World is Not Enough. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, got to have more. Well, that's the way flesh is. 
And that's the way he lived before getting saved. More, 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 more. Never more of good stuff. It was always the direction that the flesh wanted to go. Because you didn't say no. Amen. I don't know how I got on that. I was making a point about something, and I believe you got it, because I lost it. <laughs> Ephesians 6.14. <laughs> Praise God. It says, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, now we know the armor, right? The truth, the righteousness, the, the stability of peace, the faith, the renewed mind, and the uh, sword, sword of the spirit. Okay. And he says, stand firm, therefore, having girded yourselves with truth. So. I think it's the verse before it says, put on the full armor of God. Okay, so we know what the word of God says in the book of Colossians, that we are to consider ourselves dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and greed. Just to name a few. Right? So we know that, but you have to renew your mind to that and we understand, I need to stay away from that stuff. But that don't empower you to stay away. That's like the law that says, do not touch, do not taste, do not, do not, do not, do not. And the more your flesh hears, do not, do not, do not, the more it wants to. And without empowerment, the more the flesh will take you down that road because you're not able to stand against it. Right? So we don't get empowered by saying no, you get empowered by putting on righteousness. You get empowered by putting on truth. You get empowered by putting on stability of peace. You get empowered by taking on a shield of faith. You get empowered by renewing your mind. You get empowered when you get that sword in your hand. Because that sword in your hand, until you get down to that point to where you have a sword in your hand to kill immorality and kill impurity and kill evil desires and passions, you're not going to be able to. You could stand there and go, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But what does flesh do after a while? Lays down the shield. I'm doing pretty good. Lay down the shield. Oh, things are going well. Lay down the shield. And you're back to being an open target again. And then you try to go, no, 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 no. I know I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. No, 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 no. And, you know, you get your deed, your actions under control. But then there's the mind that continues to think. Continues to imagine. The imaginations that we're supposed to cast down. The strongholds we're supposed to destroy. Isn't that right? We are to put on the fruit of the Spirit. You know, faithfulness, self-control, all those things, right? Endurance. See, that's the answer to your flesh going, are we there yet? How long is this going to take? See, endurance wouldn't even ask that question. Endurance just stands and goes, we're going for, the, we're going for it. See, and that just shows fruit of the Spirit needs to be developed in that area. So he says, put on the full armor of God. So this is the whoever putting on the whatever. The whoever is putting on the whatever. Of course, without putting it on, you can't destroy strongholds and you can't cast down imaginations. All you can do is go, no, 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 no. And they keep coming back, 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 back. And then finally, you just give in to them. Amen. You know, every one of us is probably going to go home today and take our clothes off. But I would hope that you have clothes to put on. 
<laughs> Amen. When I worked in the auto repair shop and I would leave the shop and I'd have to come to church, I would run home, take off my clothes from the shop and put on clothes to come to church. So taking off the old clothes was very important. But I was not presentable until I put on new clothes. Okay, I'm still up here. I was not presentable until I put on the new clothes. So you could take off the old man, but you are not presentable until you put on the new one. See, we, we are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and be presentable to him. And that's by putting on the new man. And that means putting it on in my thinking, putting it on in my words, putting it on in my actions, putting it on in my life. Amen. That's what makes you presentable in the kingdom. Putting on the new man. What you put on is what makes the difference in life, not what you take off. It's what you put on. Amen. One last verse. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 34. Let's look at it in the King James Version. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. He says, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. So he says, awake, which means to become sober-minded or awaken out of a drunken spell. Awaken out of a drunken spell. You know, sometimes we're so la-la-la and everything else about life and stuff that we're, it's like we're in a drunken spell and we don't really take anything really serious. And we have to be in that sober-minded state, which is called a disciplined mind. And, you know, sometimes in order to have a disciplined mind, you got to back off from that undisciplined mind. Right. And sometimes you have an undisciplined mouth and you got to back off from that undisciplined mouth. And you got to tell yourself to be quiet and you got to tell yourself to pay attention to what's going through your head. And that's not easy for some people because we're in such a habit of letting everything fly, whatever, just let it fly. And we're in that habit. And we continually live in an undisciplined manner. And life doesn't change. Because we don't change. And it takes focus to create the change. Amen. And also I want you to notice something here. The Apostle Paul is speaking to believers. For some have not the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. So he's talking here about awaking to righteousness, and he means to change to a state of control over one's thought processes. Not just what you think, but your thought process. The thought process is what created the thought. That's the thought process. Okay? For instance, just a, a, an example. Sickness attacks my body, my thought process is, sickness comes, I go to the medicine cabinet, get me some Advil. That's the process, okay? Well, I could change the thought of not getting the Advil, but the process is still there because the sickness attacks my body and I still have a process that says I need to have this. So you've got to recognize the process when you, when you awake to righteousness, it's to change your thought process. So the thought process becomes sickness attacks my body, and my first thought is Jesus bore my sicknesses and my diseases, and by his stripes I'm healed. Okay? So what if you're driving down the road, somebody cuts you off, and they give you sign language that's not even suitable for the hearing impaired? How do you react to that? Run him over. Yeah, run them over. 
all up here. I ran him over three times. You may not physically run him over, but you did in your head, which is just as bad. Which comes under the heading where Jesus said, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you have already committed adultery. Because in here is the same as out here. So you can get your deeds under control, but what goes on between your ears can still be the same. Thought processes. But awaking to righteousness helps you to control and deal with your thought process. Well, how do you awake to righteousness? It's by continually declaring to yourself that you are the righteousness of God. Thank you, Jesus. I am the righteousness of God. If I am the righteousness of God, then I live in righteousness. I do righteousness. That's who I am. That's what I do. I am. Not I'm being. Not I'm getting. Not I'm having. I am. If I am, then this is what I do. I do righteous things. Are you, right? Are you with me? So it's taking hold of your thought processes, which is the same as a common expression coming to our senses, which is with the prodigal son. Remember, he had to come to his senses. Well, look over in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I know I told you that that was the last verse, but this is the last verse. It was my second closing. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. It says, this is Paul writing to Timothy, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. All right, come to your senses. That's the whole idea of it. That's what happens when the word is being taught. It's to help you to come to your senses. Because you're being held captive to do the will of Satan. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not stealing. I'm not killing anybody. Well, that's good. I'm not running around with my neighbor's wife. That's good. Those are good things. But what about all those ugly things you talk about those people? What about the stories you tell about so-and-so that you can't seem to stop telling? See, there's no difference. See, to us, well, I don't murder, I don't steal. See, those are the, what we call the big sins. Those are the big sins. But to God, sin is sin. It doesn't matter. You know, Adam ate from a fruit tree. Sin is sin. There's no big sin, little sin. This is not religion. Sin is sin. Prayer is prayer. Believing is believing. Faith is faith. You either have it or you don't. There's no in-between. So the whole idea of hearing the Word of God is so that it comes to, we can come to our senses. Well, that's what will happen if you'll awaken unto righteousness. You'll hear the Word of God and it'll show you where you need to Get things straight. Amen. You know, I would like to hear a, a teaching from the Lord that says, you all are just wonderful. You're great. There's nobody like you. I threw the mold away when I made you. You're the apple of my eye. You are so wonderfully made. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, oh, dear myself, I tell you what, I have impressed myself with you. And you would leave here the same exact way you came in, <laughs> needing all the same help that you always needed. <laughs> Are you with me? And I have even talked to myself before services at times and say, you will be nice. You will be talk, talk nice. You will just stand there and you will just share what the word of God says. And you will talk in an even, quiet tone. And in 41 years, it's never happened. <laughs> so he says, awake unto righteousness. So we awaken unto who we have been made to be in Christ so that I can put on 
put on righteousness, practical righteousness, that I can live in righteousness in this life, in my thoughts, in my mouth, in my actions, living in righteousness, and it becomes a shield or a breastplate, rather, that covers all the vital organs of my life. Amen. Awake unto righteousness and sin not. So what that means is when you awaken unto righteousness, now you've come to the place to where you are now free to do the will of God, which is good, perfect, and acceptable. That his will is the fullness of life and the fulfillment of life. And every one of us as an individual would have total fulfillment in life if we did God's will. Which tells me what? What you think is a fulfillment of life is not. You're just happy with where you're at. But it's not the fulfillment of life. None of us have touched that. Amen. Awake unto righteousness. Okay? Righteousness is one of the pieces of the armor. See, this is the clothing of empowerment. The clothing of empowerment. It's what empowers you to defeat sin. Awake unto righteousness, sin not. It's the clothes of empowerment that enables you to defeat sin. Amen. These are all of the whatevers that empower the whoever to reach the place of appointment so that whatever the vision is can come to pass. Where hopes can become realities. Where we can reach destinations in our life and we can live in the moments of arrival. Can you imagine that if your whole life is just filled with moments of arrival? You know, it's like that verse that says, cast your bread upon the water and it will come back to you after many days. Well, you've got to cast it, cast it, cast it, cast it, cast it, cast it. And then as you continually do it, after a while, every wave is bringing something back to you, okay? Well, that's like living in the moments of arrival. But you'll never live in the moments of arrival until you do what's necessary in your life to get serious and get focused and start putting things out there so that they'd start coming back to you. And when they start coming back to you and you start living in the moments of arrival, you don't quit putting it out there. Or those moments will stop. You have to continue on. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. This is when the due time becomes the now time. Amen. Amen. And we can put on that life of empowerment. And the word of God wants to set your path for you to be able to get there. That's what the word is designed to do. Set your path so that you can get to that place of appointment, that place of due time, and that place of empowerment. Amen? Amen, amen. amen. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. I want to take a moment and just bless him. Thank him for that which he has shared with you today. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you're more than enough in every situation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You are my everything, my all in all. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you've set my path with your word. I thank you that I can take hold of your word and that I can walk in your path, walk in your ways, walk in your vision, walk in your direction, get to the place to where I need to be. Thank you, Lord, that you empower me, strengthen me. Thank you, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit that lives within me for revelation, for impartation, that you are more than enough. Lord, I just thank you for your word today. And I speak over everyone that is in the room, on live stream, or on podcast. And Lord, I just pray over each person, Father, to receive that which you have declared today. Father, that it would be received in the seriousness, in the focus, and in the soberness of thinking. And understand and realize that you do want to open the door for us so that we can walk into the blessing. But we also understand that there are things that's keeping that door closed. So whatever it is, Lord, that we need to change in our life. And we know that the one change is not going to be the all change. 
but it's one change at a time that opens the door a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. So I thank you, Lord, that we are your children, that you are our loving Father, that you care about us, and that every father that loves their children disciplines them and trains them and teaches them. And Lord, I just thank you so much that you are the one that will discipline us. And although sometimes discipline does not seem happy, but it will bear the peaceable fruits of righteousness in which I awaken to. I thank you for it and bless you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to let you know that our announcements are out for December. There's a hard copy in the foyer. There's one pinned on the bulletin board. It's on the TV in the foyer. It's on the TVs in the church before service. Uh, it comes to your email, and it's also on the website at newlifefamilyworship.net. So there's many, many avenues so that you can know what is going on and you can be involved in what's happening in the church this month. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come before you with our tithes and with our offerings. And Father, as we do, we do so by faith. And we declare what your word says about tithing. We declare what your word says if we're giving first fruits. We declare what your word says about sowing seed if that's what we're doing. Whatever it may be that we're doing, we declare what your word says about it. And with the proper seed that is sown and the proper faith attached to it, Father, it will produce after its own kind. We thank you for it and bless you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Hallelujah.